Hello and welcome back to playartpredict.com. This week I'm very, very delighted to be joined by Carol O'Donovan uh, from Team Ireland and we're going to hear a lot more about our story. And Cara, I have to say, firstly, do my research with you about you. I knew you were involved in a lot of strings to your bow in terms of sport and all your other tangents, but even my research last week or so, I've been even more fascinated by the, by the so many angles that you're working on. It's a, it's a remarkable career, so hopefully we'll get to know a bit more about it in the next little while. But I wanted to, to, to wind it back um, I know personally when my love of sports started with my mother dragging me out to the front garden as a kid playing football, almost, she she jokes about it now, against my will, I wasn't really into it that much, but she dragged me out and then I come obsessed of, of really and there on. So where did you, your love, you, look, you grew up in Sligo, so I assumed you, you started, a, tried a lot of different sports when you were, as a kid? Yeah, and I, I, I can't remember a day where I didn't love sports. I think I was just born, like uh, I was a tomboy. But I was kind of like a tomboy, but yeah, I love Barbies as well. So I was a bit of an odd child. Okay. But yeah, I love I loved sport from, from day one. And like, I, I think my first crush, like I remember, like uh, my parents keep telling me was like on Packy Bonner when I was like three, like I was obsessed with him and just watching football. So it was a bit of a joke then. So I didn't play football, but um, yeah, I just love sport from, from the start. And then as I got, like I tried different sports in school, like, I tried basketball and I really liked it, but I was just too short. Like I, I was never going to be going to the, like America <laughs> to play basketball. Um, and then I just, I got involved in kickboxing then um, when I was 12 and that was it. Like I, I found my sport. It was a total, like straight away, it just clicked with me. So yeah, that's how it started. That was, it. was it a sport you always had a bit of an interest in or was it just one that came available? Like I did a good bit of karate as younger and it was literally because the, the coach came nearby to the local village and had some classes on it and that's where I was hooked. Did you always an interest in it or was it just kind of another one on the list to take, to try? Uh, no, I had no clue about it. I, I didn't, um, like, I might, definitely my mother had a panic attack when she thought, oh no, like, I'm going to be fighting and get my face busted open. But no, it was very new. It was just happened to be someone that was at, like on the street or someone that I was playing with was, uh, their brother was doing kickboxing. I thought, oh, that sounds good. But it didn't, when I look back, it doesn't really surprise me because I mean, I was always kind of fighting some sort of thing like so it kind of, of took that energy aggressive energy and channeled it a bit better for me um yeah but it was completely random and it just so happened that there was a good kickboxing club in Sligo so that's how I got started um and it was weird because I like I was one of maybe one or two girls started with me or that was in the club at the start so you're kind of you were like I was on my own as a girl in the sport for a long time but then like now it's I'd say 50-50, which is like such a big difference in, in the time since I started. Yeah, no, that must have been a huge change uh, um, starting off into a new sport and then I suppose being the minority. It's probably a, a reflection really of a lot of the, I suppose, not the battles, I don't want to go too strong on it, but a little bit of um, imbalance over your career. You, you started off in it straight away there, but do you found your love, you started doing it a bit more. Where did, it, where did the kind of the fuel come from then? Where did the, the major passion come from to take it to the elite levels that you've, you, you've gone to? Uh, it's, uh, yeah, God, tough question. <laughs> I'm not too sure. I think I was always competitive. Um, and I, like, I have to be careful with that competitive side of me because I, I tend to make almost everything a competition. Like my friends don't even <laughs> let me play card games with them because oh, like, I just, yeah, yeah, one of those. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I think the competitive side was always there. So um, once I got a taste of the first competition, I loved it. And then as much as it was difficult being one of very few girls, it actually helped me with confidence wise because I was going to these competitions at local, regional level. And because the numbers were so small, I was brilliant. Like I was winning everything because <laughs> I didn't have to beat very many people. So there is like, I mean, you can look at that two ways, but for me that there was um, a bit of luck there because it, that adds your confidence. And then when you feel like you're good at something um, and you're enjoying it, you just keep going with it. So that was like, I guess, the start of the competition side of it. And then when I really took it up to another level, because in kickboxing, there's loads of different governing bodies or world federations. So I started competing in um, a number, but I've been into the different ones. I competed at ones that would maybe be a lower level. And I was the world champion at 16. And I thought, oh, like, I'm brilliant. Like, this is, mm -hmm. this is the best thing ever. But I wasn't training that hard. Like, I'd say, I thought it was training hard, but you're like a big fish in a small pond. So, like, training four or five days a week 
just one session a day um and then that's what it took to be like the best in the world and then all of a sudden I started going to these um diff more difficult competitions they're called wacko kickboxing um and my first kind of I think taste of that was just tough like I went straight in uh, I think I pulled the world champion in like quarterfinals and I got the hiding of my life like so I got such a beating um, and then it was when I kind of came back from that I realized oh this is this is what I want to do and I'll take this training serious and um so then I just like doubled my training and it became everything revolved around it from that point. I was just about to say that through like this is still your teens it must have been you're probably still in school as well at the time it must have become you must have been like a almost a professional athlete in terms of your obsession and training almost you mustn't have had a very very little spare time. Yeah, I, I did. Like I, I put most of my time into into sport. I, I don't really have too many regrets, but there's one thing I could look back over my late teens and 20s and would say I probably should have had a bit more fun or had a bit more of a balance. I definitely have that now. Um, but yeah, I, I let it completely consume me. And as you know, initially it was very healthy, I think, because I was just enjoying it and you know I hadn't won anything yet so it wasn't that like I hadn't got to that real point where I just had to keep winning more medals or you know get that mindset um and then later on it probably became a bit too Im imbalanced I guess is is a way of putting it um so yeah the, like I'd say if I was to go back and do it again I probably wouldn't have commit 100% of my time towards it um but sure look you you live and learn that's the competitive nature <laughs> shining out yeah. or the, the evidence of it <laughs> but yeah, yeah no, that must have been like a, a like you because you and your kickboxing career like you obviously started it so young and then you just seem to from looking at your list of awards and going just going wow 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 you've literally pretty much won everything that there is to win it must have been the buzz that you must have got from that from winning one as you said working your way up and continue that, that must have been given that you had the competitive attitude as well it must have been like wow you must have been in a, in a, a real in the red zone th throughout that period yeah it's it's funny because um like i i i'm a bit i'm more proud of what i've won now than i would have been five or ten years ago like okay. back when i was winning a lot of stuff internationally um especially at the start nothing was really ever enough for me and i could have if you had said you know you've won everything that there is to win in the sport I probably have won a medal at every level in the sport but it was never enough like it's I think that's when you get that competitive side gets a little bit uh too unhealthy that you just you always want more and you're it's kind of like um you get almost hooked into this kind of winning and chasing medals and then you get one and like the first time you win a gold medal even say at a world cup like that feeling is brilliant but at last like a day and you know and it's in a, a sport where especially in ireland like internationally it might be a big sport but in ireland like nobody cares about it so like you win something big and you know that feeling you come crashing back down pretty quickly so it's uh yeah it's, it's a weird kind of i guess it's a it's a weird feeling like you would i probably should have enjoyed those moments a bit more but uh yeah, I spent like even though I had a good bit of success, I probably wouldn't have been um, as happy, or I didn't enjoy the moments as much as I should have. I think probably is it more of the the fear of losing as opposed to the joy of winning, sort of that sort of mentality in a weird way. That's that's what it can become, and um, you almost like at the start, it's like you've you had this goal to reach the top and to win something, and then you do it, and all of a sudden, then you keep you expect that or you put these pressure on yourself that you're expecting yourself to keep winning so you don't enjoy it you're just relieved when you win and then the days you like i can remember world championships where i got bronze medal and i put the medal in the bin like i was that upset about it like wow. i mean and i was it was a nightmare like i mean of such a dose i was like to be to to behave like that it was uh ash it was it was daft really but then i kind of i've i think i've changed i think i've mellowed a bit in the last few years um, and I don't always like saying that because then you see somebody like that could be somebody's absolute dream to win a bronze medal um, at a world championships and to see somebody else rubbish that or to try and taint that it's it's not very it's not a very gracious attitude like if you know it was probably a bit difficult to deal with and a sore loser so 
Um, I don't even know where I'm going with that, but I think I've got a bit sounder over the last few years. <laughs> I like to think. Yeah, like I know, obviously, like the, your sports are pretty, you know, self-based. They're they're so um, intrigued sports, but your coaches and stuff. Looking back on that attitude, what in a weird way it must have been great. Like obviously to be so driven, but you must have been a bit of a. I don't want to put the, the foot in too much, but you must have been a bit of a nightmare for your coaches at the same time, were you? Like if you're there, I'm, I'm there. The bronze medal, nah, I don't want that next. I think I still am a nightmare for coaches, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but in different in different ways, I okay. guess. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, it, it's hard because when I was part of the kickboxing setup when I first came into the sport, um, our team was good, but we wouldn't have been like the best team in the world. And over, say, a period of 10 years, we got to go from making up the numbers to being one of the top teams in the world. So it wasn't just me with that attitude. It was it was like the culture of, I mean, I, I didn't just, I wasn't the only one there, that that was like a common attitude in, in, okay. in, the, in the team or in the squad. So when new people came in, they would have watched the more established fighters and, and learn fairly quickly that you don't settle for. And, and maybe some people think that's a good thing, but, uh, and it can be a good and bad thing. I think it's somewhere in between is probably the best way to be. But so from a co- that, from a coaching point of view, I don't think that was the difficult side, but I'd say if I was to be honest, um, I've always struggled with being, you know, put into certain boxes and have like, like, you know, so many, I guess, routines placed upon me and not being able to do what I was told like I question everything and uh so I'm probably more like that now so I think I'd say my coaches I mean they're happy with me but I'd say I give them a few headaches as well challenging challenging because even even you you look at the the last ant uh, documentary with Michael Jordan and he's kind of mellowed a little bit now but he was a challenge to his teammates and coaches as well but I guess ultimately that's that's the mentality of a, of a winner. Um, you have to be that self-driven, and particularly when it's not a team sport. You know, you're you're doing it all for yourself. You, it must have been like I'm only. I don't know how you manage that throughout your teams. Like you're you're going all on yourself. You're coaching, and then you're traveling around, winning competitions, and then all you can think of is the next one, the next one. It's it's it has to be. So I can't get my head around how how you how you manage that. Like uh, the utmost respect um, for you for being able to do that. Like that's. That that meant that weird mentality that you have not weird that that winning mentality oh, is it, it, <laughs> no no it's 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 a winner it's a winner but like to be able to because like it it had to be a, like although you probably enjoyed it and you, you said you want you probably should enjoy other aspects of your game but at the time you're you're in that red buzz you're you're flying around you're 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 living your dream pretty much aren't you you're pretty much a professional athlete. Yeah, it's it was like it was brilliant because I I think them. The biggest thing for me was that I loved the sport. Um, but, it, you know, I, I, sometimes I look back and think, oh, maybe I should have chosen a different sport where, you know, it wouldn't have been financially so difficult or I would have got, you know, paid to do what I love. Because I, I think in sport, you know, you, well, maybe I wouldn't have been any good at a different sport, but I'm not so sure. I think I, sport seems to just be something that I, I can do. But, um, yeah, like it's... No, I don't even know where I, I've lost my trail of thought, a thought, a thought there. Anyway, so sorry, sorry, Johnson. You no have pan- to come back to me again no with panic. that we'll, question. We'll, we'll dig it at another angle again. So you've 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 gone through the as I said, you've gone through the kickboxing circuit through your teens from starting from an early age. You pretty much win everything that there is. Um, where did the the so the transition across to karate was that the Olympic dream or was that a case of? The mentality is there's no more, almost there's no more else, what else to to win here. Or where, where, where does that change around? Because it, I suppose it is a drastic enough change to, to move codes like that. Yeah, it's, um, it was co- like a combination of a few things. I think one of them would have been, I was struggling to motivate myself in kickboxing. Um, some of the things that I had, I guess, done to try and motivate myself in kickboxing would be switching weights or, um, you know, yeah. Do anything that would have challenged me and and the olympics just wasn't going to happen for kickboxing and i was probably sticking around for that and naively believed the the powers that be in the sport that it was going to happen within my kind of lifetime of of fighting uh so when the then karate got announced and that was going to be in the, the olympics 
well, which was supposed to be now, but next mm-hmm. year is Olympics. We'll talk about that a little um, bit. <laughs> yeah, so when that got announced, I thought, well, look, I'll, I'll give this a go. Um, and I didn't make the full switch for a few months. I, I was still doing kickboxing and karate in 2017. So I was, com- I was doing like a couple of classes a week in karate. And then I entered the nationals and that went quite well. And I enjoyed it. And I just thought, well, here, look, this, this could be your only shot. I may as well just move over, give myself a new challenge. I'm enjoying it more. There's less stress around it. There's, um, yeah, so it was a new challenge. And, and it was kind of interesting to me to kind of go back down to the bottom of a sport where you're literally like nobody knows you. You're, you're not good, um, especially internationally. And then just try and climb my way up. Um, so there was that, and but really, I think the main thing was the Olympics. And I think a couple of years ago, I, I, I know less, I knew less about the Olympics then than I do now. So it was like that Olympic dream. I'm, I'm going for this. So this is great. Yeah. Um, yeah, because although the, yeah, you, you will a lot know, you know a lot more. But um, the basic martial art no, um, knowledge I have is there's, there's quite a difference between the two codes. It's not as if you're 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 automatically going to pick it up like you have to completely i suppose rethink your your technique and um, even the, the process in terms of fighting the emergency and karate is is a is a lot more intense it's a one two minute round so it's a lot um you don't have the, the ability to read an opponent straight away you kind of have to think more of on your feet straight off so that must have been a, a big transition as well i know you're so motivated and all that and you knowing you, you you'll keep on learning and you'll keep on involving your technique but that that had to be still even for someone as talented as you that had to be a challenge uh, it was yeah it was a bigger challenge than initially i thought really? it was going to be really yeah because one of the first things that i and i i would still do this but i uh before i kind of i guess decided completely i was going to switch over i started watching some of the best fighters in the the women's weight categories and i thought well you know a lot of it is similar you know the tactics are similar the tatami like the fighting area is quite similar um the basic kicking and punching there's slight differences so i thought this is going to be relatively easy um but (laughs) it was a big struggle i think one of my strengths i think in kickboxing is that I'm really strong, so like I'm usually short for my weight category, but I can hurt people. Um, okay. Not that that's the, not not that that's ever the tactic, but you <laughs> people are less reluctant to attack you when they know that there's a potential that they run into a foot or a kick or something. So that strength was straight away taken away from me because karate is limited contact, so I couldn't. You know, I was getting worn as left, right, and centre for him. I can imagine the, the flags were out so, ninety at the start. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So that was that was a big challenge, and then technically, um, the the scoring techniques in karate are slightly different. But that slight difference took me a long time to grasp. You know, I'd be like punching in kickboxing, so you just have to land a punch and and you get a point for it, um, which makes it much faster. But in karate, you have to finish and execute the technique properly with limited with like a certain amount of control, and you have to finalize the technique. So, um it kind of slows it down a bit uh but that that's i don't even know if i'm explaining that right because i'm still not even 100 percent certain myself so that's taken me the longest time to pick up the techniques and then i think the other part of it which uh, i always knew was part of it's part of every sport i think but um so like in in kickboxing because i've been there for so long and i've won things when you step out to compete and you have three judges they straight away know that you're good because you're all on the circuit together. And, and even if it's not a, a normal, like a conscious bias on a subconscious level, they expect you to win. So they're, you know, you know, you might start like, I guess from a, on a subconscious level, you start with a slight advantage. And then with karate, Ireland wouldn't have been one of the strongest nations. So when I step out with an Irish flag, straight away people assume you're going to be rubbish and you're maybe not going to be as good and they've got better for sure over the last few years but you're up against that like whereas when I competed in kickboxing Ireland was top three in the world so all you had to do is put an Irish flag on your top and people assumed you were going to be good and it was the complete opposite in karate so that was a hard thing to get used to and like 50-50 clashes I would have always come out on the right side of them and then when I went into the new sport I was I was losing those points and, and ultimately that's the difference between winning and losing a fight so yeah so those things were tough but like I mean you can 
complain about them. You just have to deal with it and find a way to get on with it. Really. Or you can, you can yeah. switch on your, minor, your winner's mentality here again. You know, the ultimate uh, tossed in the deep end approach really there in terms of technique and you're, you're fighting against... This was your, did you have to, like your, your transition then in terms of your, your grading and your standing, how did, how did that work when you transitioned across? Did you have to pretty much start from scratch um, um, and karate or, or, or how did that work? No, they, they, they let me fight basically. Um, so some of my grading stuff in kickboxing would have come from, I mean, kickboxing ultimately comes from karate. So the grading side of kickboxing essentially is, karate so when I did my black belt and that it would have been very different to the kickboxing that you do in competition it's all very traditional so from that point of view like the basics um that kind of basic techniques I kind of had the fundamental parts of it it was just slightly adjusting it for for the competition side and they've been very good to me um that they you know they allow me to just come in and do the kumite or the, the sparring part because like I've no interest in the traditional side of it and I get a lot of grief from that as well but even if I was kickboxing it just it doesn't interest me the sports side of it the the competition side of it that's the bit I like and I do have an appreciation for your basic techniques I think it's important and some people love the grading system and the belts and that but um it's never been something that I particularly enjoyed it was something that I just had to do and I got through it and once I did my black belt I thought I never want to see a grading again like I just, <laughs> just let me get my clothes on <laughs> absolutely just let me kick someone or hit someone um yeah no so so how did you how did you find it like you're you're a little bit like did did in terms of your, your coaches and stuff like that where was there any reluctance from from anybody kind of I suppose in your around your your close coaching circle uh, kind of warning you or trying to put you off or were they just going oh no Kara's coming here we just have to let her do what she wants almost I uh, know I wasn't that well received at the start uh <laughs> no <laughs> so like the, the co- my coaches are brilliant so I've uh I train with the two national coaches Paul and Eamon um and they're brilliant and I don't like they're they just humor me I guess but they were they were brilliant at the start like I I came in and I didn't really make much of a secret about why I was there so um that definitely rubbed up other people the wrong way so some of the girls in the sport were just hoping that I'd fail and just leave um and uh definitely ruffled a few feathers amongst people that would have been doing karate for 50 years 60 years 40 years for someone to come in and think that in two or three years that they could win a major medal in something that they couldn't do in 60 years people don't always Mm -hmm. take that very well and you know, I just like I can understand it in a way, but then part of me is like, you know, it's that's nothing to do with me. I just I've got a goal, and it's not that I'm rude. Like, well, maybe people call it rude, but like if when you say winner's mentality, it's it's just that I guess I'm I'm driven and that I believe I can do something. I I don't ever intentionally like I've I've watched a bit of the the Michael Jordan uh, documentary and you know, I never intentionally try to like, you know, sabotage people or hurt people. Like, and I, I don't think I am that kind of person. Um, but at the same time, you know, I don't feel that I should give up completely on what I, my dream is or what I want to achieve so that you can feel better about yourself. I should, like some people would rather you let them beat you so that you can be, and then they'll let, let you into their little click and I've never operated that way and I just don't see it that way. So it's a kind of a balance of just following what you feel is the right thing to do. And if you're determined and you believe that you want to win something, obviously there's a line you have to go for you're not going to cross. But I think if you do everything within your power to win it um, or to do that, that's fine. Um, but some people won't like you for it. Um, so it's, it's kind of a balance. Like, does, I don't know if that's making sense. No, I, I, I totally, totally get you. So be a complete moron and you know like offend everyone and step on everyone's toes like that's never been my attitude and it's it's more just that like you can be driven and you can be confident in yourself and you shouldn't have to apologize for that but at the same time you don't go overboard and deliberately try and you know hurt people or that sort of stuff so I, I hope I'm making sense. No, perfect. Yeah, it's it's, it's a balancing act. There's a there's a line in the sand there. <laughs> um, and so, yeah. um, like 
so the the Olympics was was your was your dream. Um, obviously, the world has changed a lot. I have to say as well, just before we get into Tokyo and what's the, the, the games we've moved, I would consider myself pretty much a, a sports nerd. I would like to, you know, find myself very knowledgeable in sport. But the the whole process around the the grouping and the the qualification, and for the Olympics confuses the hell out of me. I, I don't. <laughs> there seems to be so many different bodies. There seems to be so much politics involved. Um, I I would I find myself getting infuriated at times just reading reading about the stories. I, I don't know how you guys manage in there, but the qualification. What is what is your how I suppose, what is your roadmap or, or, or have you got your head around all of that or is it a, is it a huge frustration? I remember chatting before to you, like I'm totally confused. So I don't know how you manage with all that. Yes, yeah, so the qualification system was up in the air when the pandemic started. So um, for a few months we didn't know exactly what how that was going to work and initially i think the world credit federation made a bit of a an error so they went ahead i guess they jumped the gun a bit so they announced that x amount of athletes had all qualified and then they realized that that went against all the pre-approved um criteria Mm -hmm. and that there was gonna there had to be discussions around that they couldn't just maybe make those decisions straight away so they had to backtrack on that and it meant that the three or four athletes per weight category that had qualified have now lost their qualification spot they're going to have to go back and do it again um so thankfully that was never going to affect me i'm really surprised that no athletes has kicked up a fuss i can tell you if it was me i'd I kick up. Oh, really? <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. And somebody, somebody says I qualified, and then decide, especially when when Thomas Back has come out to say that everybody who's already been awarded a place in the games is not going to lose that place, and then my federation have gone against that. But I guess they get away with it when nobody kicks up, you know, much of a. I a I would be steaming like. If well, that, it's, that's the thing. Like it's yeah. huge. It's not just one event. Like people have possibly put 10 or 20 years to get to that and in particularly in in karate where it's the first time sports in the games and possibly the only time because they're not going to be in for the paris games um like it's it's a huge amount and the and maybe not so much ireland but other countries like france and japan like they've invested millions into getting these places and then all of a sudden you tell them sorry no but i guess you know you can't you know you there's not really a lot you can't fight everyone's battles for them if they if they're happy enough to take that decision then i guess that's, that's are you trying to su- trying to suggest that you wouldn't be as uh pleasing to the to the decision oh, not even <laughs> suggesting it i definitely wouldn't be <laughs> um but it, like uh, because i was injured anyway so back to how i how i can qualified um i i spent the guts of a year injured last year and that pretty much ruled out qualification for me through the ranking process, which was where you travel the world basically and collect ranking points and whoever's top of the ranking list gets to go. Um, so for me, it was always going to be this world qualification event and I have to finish top three and that hasn't changed. So what they've done now is they've just moved it to June of next year. I still don't know what country it's in. Um, it was due to be in Paris, so it's likely that it could be Paris again, which, you know, which would be very convenient if it's in Europe. Um, but to me, that's like, that's the focus. And, um, and I, I'm going to sound like every single athlete here. And I say, gives me an extra year and I have more opportunity to get better. And like, you do have to try and be a bit positive as much as like, that's just the cliche response. But, um, for, from a qualification point of view, that's what I have to focus on now. So June of next year. And then that's, that's if the games go ahead, like there's still that kind of question mark over whether this pandemic is going to be under control um so yeah we'll see but i have a good idea now what what's going to happen you know what the plan is i guess yeah well no you're right it, it isn't certainly isn't a cliche in, in your in your um situation given the fact you know you, you had your horrible injury and then of course as well don't forget that you're still relatively new in the, in the sport right. some people <laughs> will remind you so you have uh one of those 16 years of people that have experience behind them that everyone's frustrated that you don't have yeah you can have an opportunity to, to get yeah. gather gather a bit more keep everyone keep exactly. everyone happy but um not 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 known and i could obviously look it's a little bit surreal at the moment the fact that it is a pandemic and there's so many other things that we just don't have control of but does that that for me again that would be very frustrating not having a clear roadmark you kind of 
almost sure of, of what your roadmark will be and what you need to do. But that uncertainty the last while as well must have been an, another big challenge to, to manage that. I know obviously that the world is, is, we call it bigger problems and people, people are dying and it's, it's horrible and all that. But you as your motivation, that's your dream is to take part in the Olympics. It is. Did you find that? How did you, how did you find that kind of period? I suppose still finding um, it? Yeah, still. Well, it, it's not too bad now because we're back training and the gyms are open. So I think that's been a massive uh, benefit anyway. It's something that's kept me a lot happier in the last couple of weeks. Um, I think from one in one point of view, it hasn't been as bad as it could have been because I think I went through a lot of this when I was injured last year thinking, oh no, I can't train or... Um, this is this could be the end. I might not go back playing sport. This um, and how do I deal with that? And I struggled massively last year from just mentally trying to get to grips with if like if I don't compete anymore, what am I going to get to ch- to replace that challenge? Um, so this time it was a bit different because you're not injured, so you you know you don't understand why you're not like leaving the house or going training or whatever. But I think like it wasn't as bad. I think as like the first few months, couple of months were brilliant. I thought this is great. I'm going to have time to myself and I'm going to spend, I was lucky I was in Sligo, I was in my mum's house. So I got to see family for a while. Um, and then I think the last couple of weeks before phase three started, that's when I was just going a bit like starting to lose it a bit. And uh, I've had, I probably had a few rants on Twitter as well. at certain sports being allowed back before us and, uh, <laughs> which was just like throwing all my toys out of the pram. But basically I, uh, it just was, I think it was getting to everyone, but like I, I tend to shout a lot when I'm stressed out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, the last few weeks have been fine. We're back training now. Um, when you think of the like uncertainty around qualification and that, um, I, I, I'm kind of okay with that. If it turns out that the games don't happen, I've like I'll be upset. But like I don't like I'm. It's not like the be all and end all for me anymore. Like a few years ago, that would have crushed me. And now it's like it's in context. Like it's something I love to do. It's nice to win stuff. Um, I'm still competitive, but if like if there's a global pandemic that causes the games to be finished or to be off, then like I'll find some something else to do and. Um, and then I guess the other thing as well is that the style of fighting that I have, it doesn't take me a huge amount to prepare. Like some people feel like those three months, I know from speaking to some athletes, those three months where they couldn't train, like that, that would, that could take a year or two for them to get back to the level that they were at. Whereas I've never really felt that way. I, I, maybe I shouldn't know more about sports science, but I don't always get into the whole peaking thing. And I mean, I definitely believe in some of it, but I just think, you know, if you're able to fight, you should be able to fight with a few weeks training in you. And maybe that's old school thinking, but it's certainly helped me because it means that like, I don't panic when I don't have a 12 month training plan ahead of me. Like if, if I get three months to train, I'm happy. That's the way I'm thinking. <laughs> I could be totally wrong. I could lose everything. And you'd be coming back to me on that. <laughs> yeah. What went wrong here? What, what would, um, I suppose it's the cliche question for a lot of athletes, but what would taking part in and winning, say, hopefully winning a medal in the Olympics, what, what would that mean to you? Um, I think at this stage now, it would just be like the icing on the cake. It used to be that I had to win it and that I wanted this so badly. And, and uh, I, I was filled into thinking that my sport was going to be a part of that. Uh, whereas now I think um, it's, it's more just like it, it would be nice. Um, like I'd, I'd certainly be very proud of it. Um, and I think more just that I, I think I'll be happy though if I've given it my best shot and if there's things that are out of my control that have gotten the way, then so be it. I think... Um, sometimes we put too much value on winning stuff and and I know that like you're you're as good as your last fighter you're you know you're forgotten about very quickly so even if that's an Olympic medal or a world championship medal you know I I just know that from experience that it's not going to make a huge difference to your overall life I mean that's just the way I look at it so it's it's more just that I'd be proud I guess and and that I've given it my best shot I probably dare dare I suggest if if the Olympics took place earlier in your career, it would probably be a different mindset attitude towards it. Almost like you're 
you call it your obsessed phase in your early teens at the start of your career? Yeah, I think so. I think, um, yeah, yeah, I think, um, and maybe that's just, you know, age gives you more perspective or a bit more maturity, but yeah, I probably would have had a def- different attitude towards it. I probably would have lost the run of myself as well. If, 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 the lo- if the lockdown had happened during that phase of your career, you might have <laughs> seen right, red altogether. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I can I can understand that. Like I see a lot of younger athletes and they're really devastated by it and I can totally relate to that. And then, you know, I I feel kind of, you know, I feel bad for them because there is a attitude towards sports people and towards athletes um, that, you know, they're not entitled almost to feel upset about things because there is so much worse things going on in the world. Um, but I just think no matter who you are, whether it's sport or not, if you feel a certain way, you're allowed to feel that way and you shouldn't be shamed about it. So, um, but yeah, I can totally relate and I can see how difficult it is. Um, and they probably think I'm like, I'm mad with my relaxed attitude about it. I don't know. They probably think I don't, but the, maybe not them but I know there's people in my sport who, who would nearly not select you if they had the power to select you for a team they wouldn't because you didn't want to die for it like there is still that kind of old school attitude that it should be your full focus um put everything into it but that's just that's not going to be my attitude now I've I've done 10 or 15 years of that and it didn't pay off too well so <laughs> Yeah, I, I do find it interesting, I have to say, that how your attitude, I guess it is us all getting a little bit older, more mature, mature maybe wiser. You know, yeah, you can go look back at some of the stuff that I would have done early in my career and you know, cringe at it now and like, why didn't you do, why didn't you go off and take that holiday? Why didn't you go off and celebrate this or go travel or, or whatever it is? Um, you, you definitely do that. That Do you feel that's something that's helped your kind of sport and performance as you've I don't know if less obsessed is the, is the right word, but uh, more balanced is probably the best description of it over, over the, I suppose, the phase of your career. Has improved you a lot? Uh, it's definitely improved my, my personal life and my health, overall health. Um, I spent, like, so from, from that point of view, it's like, it's whether it improved my performance or not, um, it's still been a big win for me. I just think it's, it's better. Um, I'm still trying to figure out, I mean, I, I think if I look back my last year of kickboxing, which would have been 2017, that was one of my most successful years and I was definitely a lot more balanced. Um, but it's been like, it's not that I just decided that year, oh, I'm not, I'm going to be a balanced person now. It's kind okay. of like being a, an everyday challenge or every week <laughs> trying to calm down. And like sometimes you forget and you get really like, you go back to the old you and start thinking oh, I'm going to do this and this and this and I'm going to win especially when people say to me like you're rubbish or you can't do this I get really wound up and then I think I'm going to show them and then I have to calm down and say like I don't care really what you know somebody in Sport Ireland says about you or whoever says um so it's like an ongoing thing but I'm still not sure whether whether it's helped my performance or not, I'm definitely happier and I'm enjoying it and it's, it's hard to measure because it's a new sport and I've been injured I think if I was still in kickboxing, maybe I'd be able to see. And I think that's a really, that's one thing that I'd love to find out because there's a huge question mark over whether in order to win, you have to sacrifice too much or you have to endure certain conditions. Um, And I'd love to find a system or an athlete, a number of athletes where they can genuinely say that they've had a balanced life and they're happy they haven't had to put up with any rubbish from abusive coaching systems or anything like that where they, and and they've won everything so i'm not too sure it's a really um it's a brilliant question but I, i'm just not sure the answer because it's hard to compare when you're new in a sport um because if you to take it from an international point of view like i'm not winning world championships in karate um but maybe you know, maybe you're, so, you're, you're, you're so new as well. Like you're still learning, learning the sport in, in reality, uh, as well as coming back from, from a series yeah, of so injuries as well. So. It was the injury. And then I think as well, the, the governance issues with karate didn't help. Um, you know, so that kind of distracted me a bit, but I, I still don't regret that. I, um, without, I don't know, without even going into it, but, you know, standing up for younger athletes that maybe didn't have the same, um, courage to speak up or that sort of stuff like I don't I don't regret that but I think that definitely um held me back from from um performing at world championships so there's lots of lots of things there to look at but I I you know sometimes 
like you're you've uh, you can look back and think that these things are more important than winning medals yeah like i, I wanted to, to, to chat to you about that like it's it's like ultimately i suppose there's this i was supposed to say shady politics there's politics in, in all sports and this particularly when there's so many different governing bodies as well and everybody is looking after their own agenda and you're still fighting the case for for um, for so many issues as well but you, you you appear to me without knowing the whole situation too well that you've almost made a stance that it's not your responsibility but that you want to kind of look after the bigger picture and you're not afraid to you know sacrifice yourself and i, I go back to the the colin kaepernick um situation in the u.s with nfl where i think that the nike ad sums it up perfectly is what is believe in something even if it means sacrifice and everything um but where you do say the right thing even if it's meant if it's meant to be said and you will have sacrifice and that like you you seem to be very competitive i don't mean this in a disrespectful way i mean this is a compliment very kind of you say what's on there's no holding back there's no filter at times you if there's something there you'll say but i mean i mean that as a, as a compliment for did that was that always something that you kind of were cheesed off with certain situations and certain scenarios through your career and then you went no you know what enough enough i have to make i have to say something here i'm just curious about i know i'm, I'm kind of waffling a little bit but it is a it's a huge area and i'd like to hear a little bit more of kind of your your point of view of it yeah i mean i definitely didn't just wake up one day and all of a sudden i'm gonna fight everybody i'm gonna fight the system no, but I, you know, this has been something that I've seen. Um, so kickboxing was a sport I was in for the longest time. Um, and there's been issues with that throughout from, certainly from the early days, um, political, and, and without even going into like the individual instances, they were just cons consistently dotted throughout my career. Stuff that didn't sit well with me um and just athletes not having any say and, and just being literally being counted as a medal um and not nobody seeing you as a like as a human being and um and it, and there was times that i spoke up in kickboxing uh it wouldn't have certainly made any news it wasn't like newsworthy stuff but i got adequately punished for it and and punished in a way where i couldn't prove i was punished so whether that meant i was absolutely shafted by referees at a national championships and didn't get selected. Um, things like that, they happen all the time. And, and I backed down then. So like I'd, I'd have, um, that would have been enough to put me back in my box, I guess. But I would have been hugely resentful because, you know, when you hold back who you are and your opinions and things, I think they just stay buried inside you and then you just have loads of resentment towards the system. So when I was, um, switching to karate I, I kind of made a deal with myself that no matter what happens in this sport if, if some of that stuff comes up again you're you're gonna say it and you're gonna you know see it through you're not gonna be like you know quite, take quite, any of that rubbish quite, quite yeah I mean, it's almost blackmail in a way isn't it like oh we're we're gonna shaft you in every decision or we're gonna make your your life hell but, as much as we, we can well that's what they do like that's the thing with sport and it's it's a really strange one for me because my personality is quite straightforward and I love to be able to just have a like direct conversation with somebody but in sport you don't find that at all everything is so cutting so polite so like it's really like yeah and we're all a family and this is all great and and there that's it's just it's a very it's a, just a very strange dynamic so they know how to make you afraid without ever saying a word they know how to make you quiet and there's, le there's a lot more athletes that aren't naturally as outspoken as me, so are even as confident or whatever way you'd want to describe it. So they're certainly going to keep quiet if they were able to make, I guess, the most outspoken one quiet. Um, so, yeah, so that was, that was part of the, the thing when I switched over. And literally within six months, there was, it all kicked off. So I thought, well... Um, now here I am so be careful what you wish for so now I, now I have to do something yeah. Um, yeah. and so that's what I did and I, I just didn't back down and I think that was the difference and that's probably why it made like a difference um, and I made a, like I got a lot of enemies from it I mean there's half of Irish karate that still blame me for all of things going wrong and 
um, there's a lot of people that you know I'm still called oh that kickboxer come in here and cause loads of trouble and who does I mean, she think she is etc etc yeah there's there's all that um, but I don't regret it because I I'm sick to my teeth of corrupt practices and uh, just unethical stuff like it's everywhere and I just think if everyone just did one or two things and I'm not saying everyone has to have do do things the way I do them I mean I've my own kind of way of being. Um, but I think that's how you get really corrupt systems is that people and good people, they just turn a blind eye to small stuff and then it just grows, it grows and grows and then it just blows up and everyone's pointing the finger saying, well, I'd never, you know, I, if I was in that sport, like if, if you take the FBI, for example, how did it get so bad? It, it got Absolutely. bad because ro- loads of good people, when, it, when they were met with small instances of something that just didn't feel right. They didn't say anything. They didn't feel it was their place or they felt it was only a small thing. And then that's how it gets big. That's, that's my opinion of it. So I just want to make sure that, that I, I, I do my bit. And I'm not convinced that's going to make any significant difference. But I still think, you know, even if it does make a difference, but if it doesn't, I think people should know what they're getting themselves into as well. I mean, I think a lot of younger athletes are very naive going into sports. So. Yeah, that, yeah. that kind of thing is, is important to me. Um, but I, I don't know how much of it I could do for long term. It's not something you do. I mean, some people campaign and are activists for decades and I just have such respect for them because it burns you out. Like I'm thinking I've got about five years in me and then <laughs> see you later. <laughs> I'll hand it over to somebody younger. <laughs> <laughs> more angry with a lot more fight or fires to put out but like yeah, you're, yeah. you're like that's all happening you're trying to you're trying to condition yourself you train yourself be focused on your own your own career then as well so you have so much effort to put into that then you have this kind of little side kind of dynamic war whatever you want to call it and then what really really kind of i can't get my head around at all is the levels of abuse that you're getting in from people left right and center like how how do you how do you you kind of said in a way it kind of stopped you or you were kind of I suppose snapped back a little bit with some of the say decisions and stuff in your kickboxing but you've kind of made a conscious effort now to keep on going how do you how do you put up with that abuse and because some I've seen some of the stuff it's just I'm not sure I'd be able to do it I I won't I won't lie that has to be Um, it is it it is in a way like I think it was it, I, uh, there's a couple of ways now that I think has made it easier. Um, I think the first thing and the most important thing that um, has been kind of finding athletes that are of the same, I guess, mentality or like-minded. Beliefs, and yeah. when I, yeah, and so when when I joined up with um, Global Athlete, it was the first time I got any sense of solidarity or support from, like you know, athletes, a group of athletes, and I and like I would have had a lot of support over the years but never to the extent that I had with with this particular group and so there's more and more athletes now starting to speak up and and that gives you a little bit more confidence when you get a bit of backing and you know you're not completely on your own because I think when you feel you're you're on your own and you're making no difference it can be a really tough thing to deal with whereas now I may be making no difference but at least I'm not on my own you know <laughs> so that's kind of a, a good thing but I think there is there is a, a culture shift starting to happen or I hope there is um and then I guess the the other the other way you just have to you, you kind of have to have a, a sense of humor about it um because if you take it and like I do take things quite seriously sometimes but if you're constantly take it seriously it really gets you down you have to be able to switch off from it. So that's that's something that I've tried to learn how to do over the last kind of while is just switch off and, and don't take things like, you know, if people say something about me um, that I just know isn't true, like or from if it comes from somebody that I would never take their advice from anyway, I'm certainly not going to take their criticism. So those kind of are just tricks. But I think knowing that there's people out there that are going to support you and that have the same kind of, same kind of, I guess not even so much the same beliefs, but that they support your right to express your belief more so than anything else. And I think that's what's happening now. Athletes are just saying they've had enough and, and they're starting to come together and, and just speak up for, for different things that are important to them. So hopefully there's more of that. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Fingers crossed because I, we've spoken before as well. I think that without get, don't want to get too deep into it because we could chat for hours on it, but the world is politically highly, even 
we like we think 2020 you think everything should be kind of going towards a level play, playing field but you look all around the world and politically it's it's just a mess and dark age ideas and philosophies and whatever else are still still kind of still there and scarily they're starting to rise again in, in, in with certain aspects but that that fight is it is something very important and even it's it's reflected on sport as well particularly like you, like your your role at the moment for equality sport, you're I believe you're an abar, I can get the words out. I'm an bar, hmm. <laughs> ambassador I'm at the moment. There we go. Got really getting tongue tied here. Um, <laughs> at the at the moment for them, like that that's given you. I suppose you've talked about it, giving you kind of a, I suppose a platform in in your way to to express it. I've seen all the stuff that you've been sharing on social media even recently, and it's just the mind boggles at it. Really, it's just it's. I suppose the best summary you can say is it's scary in 2020 that we still have these beliefs and these conditions. Um, yeah, I, th- I think so. Yeah, it's, um, it's like reading a lot of the stuff. I mean, it can get you down. Sometimes you just have to switch off from it and um, kind of recharge the batteries a bit. Um, but some of the, the stuff that um, I think, I, like the, there's no way I could say that things haven't got better over like as a general outlook on society, it's it's probably in a better place now than it was a hundred years ago for for women's rights. But I think there's still a lot of oppression and, and a lot of um, abuse of power, and it's just slightly more covert than overt, I guess. So stuff that they would have got away with thirty years ago, you know, physical violence, and, and there is still some of that. I mean, we've seen Japan in the recent days, and China, and that sort of stuff, but now they've just the same kind of stuff happens but it's just they've got clever about it so that you can it's nearly harder to prove now because a lot of the stuff now that's happening in sport is done so subtly and manipulatively and quietly that you're almost made feel or athletes are feel that they're imagining things or that it's not as bad as they think and so I think that's a newer problem um but yeah there there still is there's so much stuff um in particularly some of the development countries um that you just take for granted here and like it's it is quite shocking um and then like if i take say my own experience in kickboxing and i relate that to ireland here that's one of the things and i think that's one of the reasons that i've decided i have to say something or i have to do something is that it's 24 years ago since I stepped into kickboxing gym. And over that time, nothing has got better in Irish kickboxing. Nothing. Wow. So like, that's scary. We were, yeah, but that's the thing. You would think there's like, maybe, like we've got better like as a, as a team performance-wise in the world stage. That's been good. Our, the Irish president is now the president of the World Federation. So there's, you know, he's done very well. He's got you know has moved on but the actual fundamental structures of the sport and how athletes are treated and even just the funding systems um like they're non-existent there's no anti-doping none in in irish martial arts um you have to go you have to be winning medals at international level before you even come up against anti-doping which isn't really fair i mean you have so there's just loads of things that like and you try and do your best you're not going to fix it at all but there's just so many issues that uh that are important to me i think and that's why i, I say the things i do not to deliberately offend people although people will take it that way <laughs> <laughs> oh no your, your sole aim is just to piss people off isn't isn't that it that's the only thing you wake out of bed yeah. in the morning morning to do but <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but joking aside like you've touched on it there and it's one i've I see some of the stuff you share and I read other pieces and particularly about the anti-doping and I cannot get my head around that. I really cannot. Like we're at an age now where it's so high profile, it's it's highly exposed across a number of different sports, but there doesn't appear to be a standard testing system in place. Like how, how, how? I know you're not the right person to, to ask, but like, again, I seem to say this a lot, the mind boggles, but I just cannot understand that, how there's no... Like that, as an athlete, that must really, really annoy you. It's it's infuriating. Um, there's no other word for it. And you know, there. I mean, you could argue there's no anti-doping in the world. Full stop. Because even World Anti-Doping Agency is under. You know, there's so many issues there. But if even to look at 
Irish sport and, and the different ways certain sports are, are approached from an anti-doping perspective. Like there's 60 plus governing bodies of sport and probably 15 of them are subject to regular anti-doping education, testing, intelligence, all of that sort of stuff. So I just, it, it, it just bothers me that like, so if I have to go back 20 years ago, my sport kickboxing at the time was part of the anti-doping system. There was out of competition testing. There was in competition testing. There was maybe not so good on the education side, but there was some sort of deterrence there, even though the testing is, you know, only a small fraction of, of anti-doping. Um, and then we had a positive test. We had somebody, or sorry, not a positive test. We did anti-doping rule violation. One of our athletes refused to take a test. Um, and there was an issue there. WADA appealed Sport Ireland's um, leniency on the, on the ban. And I think she ultimately got a two-year ban. And that was the end of our anti-doping. Our sport then was taken off the anti-doping system. Jeez. Is it coincidental? I don't know. Uh, now, the cynic, in, the cynic in me is jumping up and down here, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Now, it's, it's easy to kind of put those things together and, and say what I, I think some of it then... And, and Sport Ireland will say it's, it's an intelligence-based system that if they feel that a sport is at risk, they'll um, prioritise that sport. And that may be the case, but like MMA, if you look at the, the UFC testing programme with Truyasada, they're probably at the top of their anti-doping rule violations. I think they're even worse than weightlifting, and weightlifting has had a really bad name. So for MMA then in Ireland to not even be recognized as a sport or to have absolutely no safety or anti-doping measures is just baffling to me. And for them to say that it's because they're not a high-risk sport, I'm just not buying it at all. Like That's just one example. And then I, I've seen things in, in my own sport that I, I, just, I just think there's no deterrence there. I mean, I think there should be some testing. Um, and it's, it's not to try and tarnish or taint any athlete's um, achievements or anything like that. I mean, the fact that I'm saying this probably, you could say it taints my own achievements if, if I'm saying I came through a sport, but it's internationally, and I guess I should point out internationally, both kickboxing and karate do have like anti-doping. So when I'd go away to uh, European championships, the, like they will test the, the medalists, I guess. It's, it's not so much, maybe it's random, but it's, it's still very small. But it, in Irish sport, where they try to give off this perception that it's purity, like, yeah. It's purity, and, and one of the most robust anti doping systems in the world. That to me is a load of rubbish. It's only good for certain sports. Um, and the funding that athletes received is tied to anti doping. Like, we don't have an independent anti-doping agency, which is against the best practice of the World Anti-Doping Agency. And even the fact that, the, you know, taking advice from them is, is a whole other thing. But we should have an, an independent anti-doping agency. It shouldn't be part of Sport Ireland because it means that if your funding is linked through Sport Ireland and your anti-doping, you're never going to criticise the hand that feeds you. So athletes know that their funding is related to what they say indirectly it's not probably explicitly put in their contracts but there's just there's lots of issues and then you have a lot of athletes that won't say anything because you know they don't want to rock the boat and then there's that least that are happy out it's a great sport we can cheat till the you know the sun come down nobody's going to catch us it's a great sport to be in so there's all of those issues um and uh yeah i'm just i I, I've lost hope on that one. I don't think we're going to get much better from from the way that the system is set up in Ireland. I think uh, maybe internationally there's, there's more manoeuvre for, for better change. But I think as Sport Ireland stands, they're never going to bring anti-doping into some of these sports. That's just, I seem to say it's a lot, but it's staggering. Like Because, look, I obviously don't want to tar people with the same brush, but it's been proved in other sports that the level of doping and the, the levels that they go to to avoid even the testing in place is, is new levels. So that if, if you're just going to say, no, we're going to turn a completely blind attitude, it, it's, it's, it's just beyond. Because even like what forever about like maybe trying to turn a blind eye to say improvements in your sport and performance, but it's, it's the opposite side of it. It's the, the safety effects. It's 
I'm sure there's people potentially taking stuff that they don't know is bad for them or, or could have other health issues and to completely turn a, a blind eye to it is just, in this day and age, I, I, really, I really can't understand myself how, how, how that's allowed to happen. Yeah, I think it's, it is kind of, it is shocking. And maybe they don't believe what I'm saying that, that it, there is an issue there. Um, or it could be just a complete lack of resources and they don't want to acknowledge that. At least I, I think I'd have more respect if they come out and said, look, we only have enough money to focus on athletic cycling, rugby or whatever it is that they're going to focus on. Um, but that's, that's not what, what we hear. And, um, yeah, it is frustrating, especially from a health and safety point of view. And I think what, unfortunately, I think what's going to happen is it's going to take a tragedy before. Yeah, sadly, isn't it? Tragedy or a scandal. That's the only way you really get action. Um, and one of the things that I talk about sometimes is the fact that we've no regulator in Irish sport. I mean, that is, it, it's baffling considering the two major scandals we've had over the last four years between the former Olympic Council of Ireland and then the FAI recently. And they're just two, they're the ones that we know about. They've just basically proved that Irish sport cannot regulate themselves. And for us to have nobody, like if you want to report an issue with your sport, you're reported to the people that you have the issue with. I mean, it's just insane. Counterproductive, it's insane. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I sound like I'm giving out so much now. No, so Sorry. This, this is great. Get it all off your chest here. But like, like I know, I know we laugh and joke. But as you say, that's the scary thing. Ultimately, it will take either a big scandal, and everybody will eventually, like we've seen, but the FAI, whatever, it'll get. There'll be a there'll be a little, bit, little piece of info that'll come out, and then they'll start scratching, and we'll see a bit more. Or worst case scenario, and really hope this doesn't happen, that somebody will die from taking taking something that they, they shouldn't have had it's yeah it's a there's a long way on the battle to go and whatever about some of the other battles that you you may be quite known please don't quite know this one <laughs> yeah, yeah no 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 I, I i mean i probably won't <laughs> like sometimes i think i will but i know i won't but i i mean one of the things that i i kind of worry about as well is that it, it, it's all with smaller sports so the potential for that to be a scandal is even smaller again sure. so Something like on a smaller scale could be happening, like what's happening in the FY, FAI, sorry. Um, but we might not ever hear about it because there's not that general demand. It's not maybe in the public interest as much. So, and and like the sports media uh, and journalists, I mean, they're already under pressure as it is and lack of resources and time and all that sort of stuff for that. So, for somebody to like, and, and ultimately, in my opinion, it's the media that do this job the best. They're the ones that unfortunately unfold all of these issues, and then it forces organisations to act. Um, it shouldn't be that way, but that maybe, or maybe it should be that way. But the, I, I credit the media in particular with um, with doing a huge good service to to sport and, and and fixing this sort of stuff. But when you've got a small sport it doesn't really warrant that time or resources. So we might never hear about it. And I think uh, the powers that be, they fully understand that. They know that a sport like my sport is not going to have the same impact if I kick up a fuss than somebody who's in rugby or in Irish football. Um, and the system then continues to operate like that. So we've a bit of work to go before changing that, but <laughs> hopefully it will. On the right path, hopefully. But I suppose leave, leaving aside the, I suppose the couple of, issues we discussed there as a whole do you feel like your sport is, is represented enough in mainstream media like i know you're, you're involved in iRadio as well um with your own sports show and, and stuff like that so you do have a big interest in, in media but do you feel like your sport gets the the coverage it deserves yeah i mean it's 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 never been i know some people in minority sports have an issue with that but i mean i i feel like i've i've got plenty i mean i don't it's not something that um ever i i don't know it's not something that bothers me too much um or that i would say that i'd want more or less or some people might just have a different opinion on it um and and i do know that the more visibility a sport has that has an impact on participation numbers and and investment and sponsorship but i do understand all of that um but i i do think it's i think there's too much um i guess blame 
put on the media, I think sports need to take accountability for their own. Um, I mean, there's just so many platforms out there. You don't need to rely on everybody to promote your sport. And I think you need to be proactive about it. And I think that's what we're missing in, um, in some of the volunteer based sports is that they don't understand that, you know, they need to go knocking on the door to see and, and showcase their sport rather than waiting and sitting back and, and waiting for, you know, the national broadcasters to bang their door down. Cause that's just not going to happen. So I think, um, I'm, I'm certainly happy enough. I've, I've no complaints from that point of view, but I think if just from hearing some athletes that I've kind of come through my sports with and in other minority sports, I think they, they just wait around and they expect things to happen and then they just spend a lot of time complaining, but they don't actually follow through and do anything about it. So I might get a bit of grief for that, but that's just my take on it. I think you have to be a bit more proactive. <laughs> you have the right attitude then. <laughs> um, very good. So yeah, so you, you like, just to, we'll soon have to ramble up because I'm taking so much of your time, but also your other, you've kind of involved the last couple of years as well with athlete mentorship. We've seen you do some TED Talks seen you do more public events um sky sports ambassador do you enjoy i suppose that mentoring slash slash coaching side of things as well as passing on your your words of wisdom from your, from your I love, yeah career? i love it um i think it's yeah it's it's one thing that i've uh, i kind of landed in i didn't know anything about this athlete mentor roles and um and then sky sports I've just seen an ad for it and I thought what's this all about and this was the first program I got involved in and they were looking for athletes to be part of this living for sport program and it was brilliant it was the first time I got to go into schools and talk to young people about my sport um and then you know I I did just realized that you somebody could pay you for talking and I never shut up so <laughs> I thought this is, this winner, is a good thing winner, winner. <laughs> yeah yeah so um and then I, I kind of came across that that program then moved like pulled back out of Ireland and they got, went more towards the GEA but then I got involved with a couple of other ones and I also saw it as a really good way to talk to young people about without depressing them too much about sport it's a good way to talk about some of the ethics and and some of the, the values that are important in sport um even though like when i go into school they just were like show me the trophy like that's, that's all they wanted to do and uh, you try and use like storytelling to to get across some points um without you know i wouldn't obviously talk some like some of the serious stuff that i'd be talking about now um but yeah so i love that i love getting to talk about my sport and um i i think that i have a a duty though because i'm i'm doing that stuff and then i know that there's all these issues with my sport and sport in general, I think I would be very hypocritical to go into a school and say, this is awesome and there's everything's <laughs> going to be brilliant. And I think, you know, without being too negative, you do need to be a bit realistic. And then I still feel like I have to do my bit to try and create an awareness that it's just not all about the roses, that especially if you choose a minority sport, you're going to be like broke doing it. You're not going to make money out of it. It's actually going to cost you. You're going to work in order to pay to represent your country. Um, and it, like if it hasn't changed in the last 24 years, the chances of it changing drastically in the next maybe five years is, is you know, it's not that uh, likely. So I think it's important that people know what they're getting themselves into. Well, very good. You certainly have enough experiences and stories of over over your course of your career in various sports. Look, we'll ramble it. We'll, we'll wrap it up there. Thank you so much, Cara. I've thoroughly enjoyed it that time there we're actually over an hour and it's 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 flown by we could feel like could chat to you for so much more but uh fascinating career um both on and off the uh, the fighting circuit but uh we wish you the the very best really really mean best of luck in your qualification hopefully it comes good and uh, we'll see you and hopefully the olympics will take place and the pandemic will will ease down we'll get a vaccine and uh, we can get back to where i dare call it normal lives but back where for sport and society can come can, can back to the levels that we used to know of what it was. Um, very best of luck. I'm sure we'll, we'll be talking again soon and uh, keep an eye out in your career, everybody. Thank you so much. Cheers, Jonathan. Thanks, Emil.